Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, a post, well, I'm still on vacation version for me, a pre-vacation version for Alex Wolf, and we are continuing with our player reviews, going through sort of the middle tier of last season's Knicks roster. Yeah, today we will be going over Damian Dotson's season, Noah Vonley, and of course the Unicornet, Luke Cornette. So we will get into all three of those guys when we get into Locked On Knicks next. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind, counting at one, as Fisdale pumps his fist. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives. Becomes infectious. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw coming to you live from Houston, where I'm missing Alex Wolf by just about a week. But I'm enjoying my vacation, Alex. I know you're going to enjoy yours next week. And I'm so, so happy to be talking Knicks again. Yeah, it's kind of funny, if if we may just uh, dwell on the vacation thing for a moment, that we both are taking vacations to Texas, of all places, uh, like within a week of each other, it's kind of interesting. It but is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's brutally hot here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to someone. I, I was here anyways, and uh, my best friend from high school uh, moved here, so uh, I just, I kind of, I kind of ended up here. I'm getting, I'm getting out on Friday though, so uh, uh, excited, excited to see the rest of the country. Um, and we are, as you mentioned, uh, doing some player reviews. Uh, worth noting uh, two things before we get started. Uh, Alex um, did a couple of podcasts uh, throughout the week, so if you missed those, be sure to check them out. The three-part uh, schedule review is really a gem and worth getting into because it's, it's at least for me. Like I know, like I, I do that with football all the time. Like I really go over every single game. And, um, and try to see, like, okay, like, what's our record gonna be? Oh, if we win that week, can we win two out of the next three? And with basketball, I always thought that's kind of insane because it's 82 games. But I think you pulled it off nicely, so I, I really encourage people to check that out. Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly an undertaking. Uh, I got Budamon and literally, like, we were, like, reconciling this idea, like, during the show as we were trying to break down all 82 games. <laughs> Just being like, well, this is a hell of an undertaking. Uh, but yeah, it worked pretty well. I don't know. It was mostly just like doing chunks of games, trying to figure out, you know, if the Knicks would win X number of games during these certain chunks. And then, uh, we did do a final tally at the end, which was probably the most intriguing part to kind of, cause you can't keep track. Like, like you mentioned with football, you know, football, you can like pretty easily keep track of what your like overall win losses as you're going with basketball is just like, I was, I was like writing them down in a spreadsheet, like just writing down numbers and stuff. And I wasn't really keeping track of the full number till the very end. So it was interesting to see what our final numbers came out to be. Uh, at any rate though, we are getting into player reviews, uh, today. Getting towards the end here, uh, to, speaking of huge undertakings, uh, cause the Knicks had 20 some odd players that they rostered last year. Uh, so we're getting into some guys that were pretty consistent contributors today. Leading off with Damian Dotson, uh, who obviously had his moments off the bench and as a starter. He played 73 games last year, averaged 28 minutes per game. He pulled out averages of 11 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists on 42% from the floor, 37% from 3, and 75% from the free throw line. 
Gavin, uh, we have his best game, which I think is accurate, as March 10th versus the Timberwolves. Uh, it was a loss. It was a 103-92 loss, but he had 26.6 rebounds, 6 assists on 10 of 19 shooting, 4 of 9 from the three-point line. Uh, I personally loved Dotson this year, and it took a little bit for him to like truly crack the rotation, which was sort of the story of his rookie year as well. But uh, I, I liked what Dotson brought to the table this year. I, I thought that he was a consistent shooter, played good defense. He's a good rebounding guard. I just I think he does a lot of a lot of things well that you like to see out of a role player at like the shooting guard small forward spot now. Yeah, absolutely. And and he was one of the few guys on this Knicks team that fit that archetype. And this, we could honestly we could probably just call this the role player episode because these were um, him, Bonley, and Cornette were sort of the three dudes who were just. Very committed to, okay, I'm going to do my role. I'm not going to try to go outside of my role. And um, I'm really going to do the little things that are necessary for a team to win games. Obviously, that didn't happen for the New York Knicks, but uh, I don't, I think largely it was out of Damian Dotson's hands. And he was a guy who, as a rookie, I, I, I really enjoyed. And I was like, oh, the Knicks maybe sort of got a steal here. Like he just, he has the profile of, of exactly the type of role player you want in the modern NBA, a three and D guy, someone in that Danny Green mold. And, and the question with him is like, all right, can he be that good? Because he's already he's 25 years old. He, you would think he's nearing his ceiling, and he just has to be like 10 to 20 percent better if he's going to be a long-term starter in the NBA versus just sort of a deep bench guy that you bring in and say, you know what, he doesn't take too much off the table. But the big thing with him was just consistency and it wasn't even from game to game it was within game I know I I think in this T-Wolves game he had something like 18 in the first quarter he had another game where he made like six or seven threes in the first quarter and he could never really build on it now those are just insane efforts and there are a lot of guys in the league who wouldn't be able to build on those kinds of starts but he he just he never replicated that on a game-to-game basis a week-to-week basis at times even a month-to-month basis And, and the environment he was playing clearly wasn't necessarily conducive to having a lot of a lot of individual success, but he um I, I don't know if on a better team it would really make a significant difference for him because he might not get as long of a leash as he had on this current next season. So I really think I, I know these are there's a player reviews and like we, we sort of look forward, we sort of don't. But for me, like my biggest thought on Dotson was solid season. He was good, good shooting numbers, thirty seven percent from three. He's good on defense. He's not great. He's not. I don't think he's consistent enough. There are some matchups where I'm like, wow, he's doing a great job, and there are other times where I'm like, he's really struggling. So my my big question for him is going forward: Does he have another level? And if he doesn't, does he play for the Knicks this year? Well, I, I think my answer to you as far as as far as like that question you just posed would be that I do think he can still get better. Um, I think generally the consensus among people about like what an NBA player's prime is, is generally like it's usually around their like age 27 to 28 season is when they hit their true peak. And you could look even just for two examples on the Knicks own roster for guys like that. Two guys they just signed, uh, Reggie Bullock, didn't have he wasn't able to crack the rotation with the Clippers or the Pistons through his first few years in the league and he was a guy that you know went I think all four years at college um, came into the league yeah 22 years old so he went you know all through college um, 
couldn't crack the rotation for his first few years. And then in his age 26 season in 2017 to 18, he finally kind of had his breakout, averaged over 11 points a game. Actually, like eerily similar numbers to Dotson's numbers last year. Uh, and it took him, you know, what, one, two, three years in the league before he, and it was his fourth season before he even got to that point. So, you know, I know Dotson was a little old for a rookie, his rookie season. Like, I think he was 23 and turned 24 during the season or something like that. Um, and, you know, this year he was 24 and turned 25. But, I, you know, I think he's still got room to grow for sure. And I think that he's even ahead of the curve for how some of these some of these guys develop. Because um, you can even look at Wayne Ellington, who the Knicks also just signed for a similar story of, you know, he averaged like a middling, like, six, seven points a game in like 19, 20 minutes for his first X number of years in the league. And then finally kind of caught on. Um, it was with the Lakers in 2014 to 15. And then like ever since then, he's been a consistent like 10 to 12 point a game guy uh, shooting good numbers from three, um, you know, playing like 25 minutes a game. And I think Dotson could absolutely do that for his career. He's just, I, I don't think he's ever going to be much more than that. I think, I think he's a better rebounder than either of those two guys I just mentioned, which is useful for putting him at the small forward. Uh, he's strong for his size, which also helps at the small forward. Like he can, you know, he's not going to get bodied by bigger wings uh, like you might see out of, you know, some of the guys that are more geared towards being a shooting guard. Um, and also, like, I think he showed, I can remember there were a number of times last year where, we did recaps and we were like, wow, Dotson actually flashed a little bit of passing ability in this game and, you know, showed that he could maybe run a pick and roll, you know, at least adequately uh, when need be and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think that he'll have things that he can keep growing on. But, you know, the biggest thing for me is like, can he keep improving his three point percentage every year? And I think that, that you know, it's reasonable to expect that he could. Um, can he just work on the little things and stay within himself and his his role and, I think he already does that kind of. Uh, so I I have faith that he'll he'll get better, but you know he's he's not gonna he's not gonna so suddenly blossom into James Harden or something. Um, but I, I think that he's going to just continue building on the things that he's already good at, and hopefully get to an elite level with those things, become like a true, really really good three and D guy for the Knicks going forward. Right. So, but what do you, what do you think all that means for him next season? Because I know when we were or I, th I think I, I can't remember who both on it, but I, I know I did an episode where we were sort of outlining the Knicks rotation for next year and saying, okay, I mean, or at least what, what I thought was um, at like Wayne Ellington was going to be sort of fringe. And I, I just had Dotson out of the rotation and that might be totally off. I'm not inside David Fisdale's head, but at least in my mind, signing both Ellington and Bullock. And clearly this team needed shooting, but with Dotson already on the roster, it was sort of a sign to me that they're not banking on Dotson being a consistent contributor. And at least how I had it laid out, pending injuries, I didn't have Dotson in the rotation next year. Now, do you think especially with Bullock injured at the beginning of the year, they're wrong and he's going to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game and they're going to always find a role for shooting. They're just so, so loaded at that guard spot. I just, I don't necessarily know where he fits in, even though in my mind he's exactly the type of guy they need with so many um, ISO-heavy players at other positions. You need that one dude who's just content to hit um, threes off the ball and play really good defense. Yeah, I kind of think 
I think because of the Bullock injury where they said that he's not going to be around for probably at least the first month of the season while he recuperates, uh, that's going to open up the door for Dotson to get minutes. But I also think, I think in a way, I mean, I'm sure that they signed Ellington with the intention of playing him, but you know, it's easy to look at these signings and be like, Oh, they signed these guys to take somebody's job. But I mean, it's kind of like the Taj Gibson signing, you know, they overpaid Ellington, I think, a little bit um, just to get him because otherwise he probably could have gone to a contender um, and provided shooting there. But so they overpaid Ellington a little bit, but I don't think that necessarily means that they're like, oh, yeah, we definitely have more faith in you than Damian Dotson, our young player who we're trying to develop. Um, you know, I think I think that Ellington might be kind of their version of Taj Gibson, uh, but for the backcourt of, you know, just the – a good vet, you know, that's going to be on the bench. He can play minutes if you need him to play minutes. Um, you know you're going to get production out of him. You know, if the Knicks come out and surprise and, you know, maybe they're playing for something more than, you know, just lottery odds again, um, you know, maybe Ellington carves out more of a role that way just because he's like, you know, kind of a proven vet who knows how to, you know, shoot and play defense and all that. But really I think ideally the Knicks are going to look to develop Dotson first and foremost. Um, at, at over playing Ellington, who, I mean, they have the same level of commitment to both of them. You know, it's, it's Ellington's on a one plus one deal with, you know, an unlikely to be picked up second year option or maybe likely depending on how things go. But Dotson, I think, expires at the end of this year, but they have restricted free agent rights on him. Um, and they probably look to bring him back. So, uh, I, I think, I think they're going to give Dotson every chance to succeed. I really do think that they're still committed to like, to the young guys on the roster, despite signing all these veterans in the off season. And it's just going to be a case of like the young guys are just going to have to prove their keep a little more now uh, than they did before. But I, I don't think Dotson's going to struggle to get minutes or anything, like especially with Bullock out initially, he'll, he'll be able to find some minutes at the two and the three. And, you know, the, if, if it goes anything like last year, once he gets in the rotation, they're not going to want to take him back out because he's just going to stake his claim to it. And that's it. Right. All right. So somewhat of a make or break year for Damian Dotson. He's going to have some competition and have to get a little bit more consistent. We'll, we'll take a quick break on Locked On Knicks. Come back and talk about a fan favorite. It's Noah Vonley time on our player review series. Welcome back into Locked On Knicks. Continuing player reviews. We're going to get into Noah Vonley in just a moment. But just a reminder that Locked On Fantasy Football is available now. And make sure that you listen to Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football because he gives you over 20 years of covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else because then you're the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on your draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football is your new favorite fantasy football podcast from your favorite podcast provider, Locked On Sports. So definitely check that out. I am going to binge a number of episodes personally Gavin because the reason I'm going away over next week in part is to go see my one friend in Texas and hang out at his very nice house in his pool and stuff while we fantasy draft and get all that done so uh, I'm I'm definitely I've been way behind on getting up on my fantasy football stuff for this year uh, you know, it's funny, Alex, I'm going to sorry to cut you off there but going to LA and I'm going to only be there for 
about two and a half days. And over the course of that time, I'm going to be doing uh, three fantasy football drafts with my uh, with my friend from college. So we are very, very nice. We're on, we're on the same bandwagon. Wow, you're a three league kind of guy, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I, I might have a fourth. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I'm, over, I'm overdoing it a little. It, it's, yeah, uh, I, I trimmed back a number of years ago. Smart. I only do two now. I do yeah. one with, with like some of my college buddies and, um, you know, just various other friends, a couple of their brothers and stuff. And then I do one with, uh, my brother-in-law and some of his friends. And just those two alone anymore is enough for me. Like I, I reached a point where I was like, I used to be in like, I'd say yes to anybody that asked me. And I was in like five leagues and then I'm like, this isn't working. <laughs> That's good. It's good life advice for me. I need to, I need to learn yeah. that. So now. Anywho, uh, Noah Vonley, uh, 68 games a year ago, 25 minutes per game. A uh, pretty good, better rebounding numbers than I remembered. Eight points, eight rebounds, two assists per night, about a steal and a block per game, and he shot the ball exceptionally well. 47% from the field, 34% from three, 71% from the charity stripe. Best game of the season came against the hated team from Brooklyn on January 25th. He had 22 points and 13 rebounds in a 109-99 loss to that team, whose name we will not mention in Voldemartian fashion. Uh, he's nine for 18 from the field. Three for 11, somehow got off 11 three-pointers in that game. And um, I, I think you, you filled in here, Alex. He had, he had a couple of other pretty good contenders as well. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, and this is like, it's whatever. I mean, it's not like Vonley was like a superstar or anything that you have like a million great games to pick from. But I, I specifically remembered when I was thinking about best games for him, November 23rd versus the Pelicans. It was in the midst of... I think it might have been the start of the Knicks' only three-game win streak of the season, or, or maybe it was the second game, but they won 114-109, to 109, and Vonley had 14 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks, shot 5 of 10 from the floor and 4 of 7 from three. I just remember after that game, I was thinking, like, this was when he was at his peak of his power, shooting, like, 43% from three or something, and I was like, if this is for real, this guy's, like, really good like this is like a great find for the Knicks and they better like I'm worried that they're not going to be able to re-sign him this offseason because he's going to command like too much money uh of course it things didn't go that way he he way regressed I mean that 34 percent final number was pretty heavily weighted by the fact that he came out for the first like month and a half two months shooting over 40 percent from three um because he, he definitely, I mean, he cooled off in a huge way after that, and he even started losing minutes a little bit uh, in the rotation after that. But, I mean, he was he was good. He he wound up, he signed a, a one-year, $2 million deal with the Timberwolves, more or less the veterans minimum. I mean, he I think he maybe got an extra, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars out of them uh, compared to what his veterans minimum would have been. But, I mean... I, I enjoyed his season. I thought, you know, personally, if his three-point shooting had never cooled off, like, I would have really been upset to lose him. Uh, it, once it did, I still wanted to bring him back just on the off chance that he could develop some consistency with that shot because, I don't know, I just feel like not to, like, I, I don't think it was a bad move necessarily by the Knicks to spend on Bobby Portis. Um, but I would have been just as happy bringing, like, if you're already bringing in Julius Randle and you know he's going to be your starter and everything, I would have been just as happy bringing back Noah Vonley again uh, on that super cheap deal that he wound up signing with the Timberwolves or maybe even give him, like, 
a little more money and like a team option second year, just like they did with most of their free agents. Uh, if they could have done that and brought Vonley back, I think that would have been just as good of a move to me, at least as what they uh, ultimately ended up doing with Portis, because I just, I don't know. I was a believer in Noah Vonley and like, I, I think he can play some five, you know, when you want him to, like he's got the size for that and, you know, he's not a rim protector, but he plays good defense. He had some great individual defensive sequences last year. Like, he was the one guy almost in the league that really seemed to be able to get under Giannis's skin last year, which is saying something. Um, yeah, just in general, I don't know. I, I loved his season, um, even if he cooled off and even if, you know, he didn't wind up uh, staying quite as, like, elite as he was early in the season. I thought that he put together a really good season last year. Yeah, he, he was awesome just for the the attitude and effort that he brought and, like, clearly a guy who, who gave a shit um, night in and night out. I, I know you mentioned, and um, when you did, I, I kind of remembered it, and it was also one of my favorite moments how he started, like, actively, like, fighting Ennis Cantor for the rebounds that, like, the Knicks would just sort of kowtow and give to him, which uh, which is something I really appreciate and I think was I think was much needed. Um, I, I guess that being said about Noah Vonley, I, I mean, the point on his shooting fall falling off was sort of what makes or breaks him as a player in my mind. And that was, it's interesting because I, I was kind of going back and doing a little research and that's what got him drafted so high out of Indiana is the fact that he shot right around uh, on, a, on a limited number of attempts, 47% from three while he was in school. And people were looking at him like, okay, is this guy like sort of like the next great or like the next very good stretch big, like a really, really good athlete, someone who could potentially develop into a, a 38, 39, 40% three-point shooter and until last year he never really came close and then he started doing it for the first two months of last season and as you noted we were all thinking wow you know what the Knicks might have really found something here and there was a real argument to be made and I think this was one of our first few podcasts ever we were literally talking about how Noah Vonley is probably the best player on the Knicks and that just didn't necessarily carry through um, throughout the year the shooting fell off dramatically and to me the the biggest um, indicator of, of just how dramatic his fall was was that the Knicks couldn't get anything for him at the trade deadline. And now I don't know if a team offered to throw them a late second round pick and the Knicks said, you know what, we're okay. We're just going to keep him for development. He plays a good role for us. He plays good defense. We, we like um, how he helps out the younger guys. But it, it, it was obvious that there, there wasn't a team chomping at the bit to fit him into their playoff rotation. And, and it's clear from his market this offseason that that was still the case with him ending up on a one-year $2 million deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But for him on an individual level, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he could bring to that team going forward. I'm just going through the roster. He, he's really the only traditional power forward that they have. You could you can make an argument for um, someone like Jordan Bell, who's, who's sort of somewhere between a 3, 4, and a 5, but is undersized. So I, I think Vonley will, even if he won't quite start, um, with uh, I think Robert Covington's going to end up being their starter at power forward. Like, he has a really significant role to play on that team, and, and there isn't a better center to play next to in the NBA than Carl Towns, just in terms of a guy who provides a lot of versatility and, and kind of will will be a chameleon and let Vonley do whatever he wants on the floor. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, like, Towns can step outside and shoot the three, and, like, if Vonley can recapture that, then, you know, they could have something pretty dangerous there as far as, like, both of them showed the ability. Like, Vonley, at times last year, especially late in the season, once his three-point shot had kind of petered off a little bit, and he needed to, like, find something else to, you know, keep his uh, efficiency up. He, like, seemed to have a pretty decent post-up game, like a nice little, like, uh, back-to-the-basket, like, throw up little baby hooks, stuff like that. And, 
you know, it seemed to work pretty well for him. So if, you know, if, if he and Towns can sort of develop a, a good chemistry together, I mean, he might even crack the starting rotation there. Um, you never know. I mean, it, they could decide to bring Covington off the bench because he's kind of undersized as a four man anyway. Um, and the league, at least some of the, some of the good teams this year seem like they're going to be running kind of big by comparison to how things have gone in the last few years. Um, with the Warriors and everything. Now that the Warriors are sort of dissolved, you know, and you, and you might not necessarily have to, uh, deal with this, like, crazy, versatile, like, one to five lineup where, like, the five is, like, maybe Draymond Green or maybe Kevin Durant and you're not really sure. And, like, you know, it, it, it's, it, it feels like to me that maybe this offseason the, the dynamics shifted a little bit to, uh, you know, teams might want to start trotting out a little bit more traditional of a power forward center lineup, and that could work out well for Vonley. But he's he's one dude that like I really really wish the best for. Like he he really impressed me this year, and I was it was so funny because I mean he was I can remember all the way back you know at the end of last off season he was brought on just as a camp invite at first. You know he came on on a, a non guaranteed like you know one point whatever million deal. Um, that was only, you know, at first only guaranteed, guaranteed through training camp. And then you saw him in like one or two preseason games and you're like, okay, this dude is, this guy's got to stay. Like he's, he's definitely like, it may be starting to figure out this, uh, this potential that he had when he got drafted. I don't know if he's ever, I can remember way back when he got drafted, people were like throwing out like, uh, Chris Bosch comparisons and stuff of like, oh, he might be the next Chris Bosch, blah, blah, blah. Like. I definitely don't. That's really lofty. Like Bosch was a really freaking good player, but I think that Vonley has definitely shown that you know he's he's tough. He can score a little bit. Um, he can rebound really well. I thought he was. I thought he was arguably the Knicks' best rebounder last year. And yes, that is a slight at Ennis Cantor. Um, and, and you know, I thought that you know he played good defense no matter where he was on the floor. He can play defense up to even some wings. Um, you know, some small forwards he can D up pretty well. So if he can figure out that three point shot and find a way to consistently hit it like 36, 37% of the time, I think he might have like a really nice long NBA career because he's, he's still, I mean, it's crazy to think, but he was, he was kind of in the Kevin Knox class of age, you know, when he came into the league. Um, and I think he's still only 23 years old now, uh, going Two into his, he's, sorry, what? Oh, I just said for he's twenty two more days. He's twenty three. Oh, okay, so he's going to be twenty four for this season. But I mean, still like going in your age twenty four season, there's still so much room to grow. So I, I think he's going to be good. Um, and I wish him all the best in Minnesota because I really thought it wasn't his fault that he didn't get re-signed by the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like he just they just decided to go another direction with some other players. But um, I liked his contributions this year. And for like you said, for you know first two months or whatever, he was arguably the most uh, entertaining player to watch on this really crappy team. So I'll definitely remember him for that. Yeah. Shout out to Noah Vonley. Uh, hope, hope, hope he has another 10, 12 years in the NBA. Um, with that, we'll take our second break, come back and wrap this one up with, I think the guy you and I were most excited to talk about the goat Luke Cornett next on locked on Knicks. We are going to tell you all about, Luke Cornett season with the New York Knicks. But first, we wanted to remind you the new Locked On NFL is straight fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows in the podcast world. 
with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by the legendary Brian Peacock. You don't just get the name Peacock. You you have to earn that. Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked on NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Um, we've talked about it a lot on this show, but I am so, so excited for the start of football season. I was really depressed about the Giants, and now Daniel Jones is showing off in preseason games. I am weirdly optimistic. I don't actually believe it'll translate, but uh, you can let a man dream. And, and Luke Cornett sort of had a dream year, 46 games, 17 minutes per game, 7 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, only shot 38% from the field, but made up for it a little bit by hitting 36% of his threes on a high volume and 83% from the foul line, and and what was a stunning revelation, Alex, I never thought I'd be saying this, preseason, it, it was genuinely tough to find his best game, so much so that, that I threw one down here, and, and kind of like Noah Vonley, you, you, you thought there was an argument for a different one. Yeah, well, so yours was yours was uh, January 13th, which is a 108-105 to 105 loss versus the Sixers, very complete stat line uh, by Cornette, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, seven of 13 from the floor, three of eight from three. Uh, I personally went with his game, uh, the late season win against the Bulls, which it was on April Fool's Day, uh, 113 to 105 win. Uh, it was at home. It just felt significant to me because that one was the Knicks run. I think it was like an eight game losing streak at that point, and things just felt really bleak. Uh, he went off for 24.6 rebounds and three blocks in that game, shot five of seven from deep. But there's even other games you could pick. I mean, I can remember um, – <laughs> actually, it was like a landmark thing. My first uh, solo show that I did um, after we took over the show was for the Luke Cornette game, which I affectionately dubbed it, which was back in uh, back in December. I think that was the December 26th game against Milwaukee. Um, where Cornette went off in that game for like, I think it was like 20 points, uh, and really seemed to be kind of a revelation there too. The problem with Cornette though is that he would go, he would have either one of these like phenomenal games or he would be borderline unplayable. Um, I think like the reason for that is he, he has such a quick trigger like on his three point shot because he knows that that's his utility out there, like on offense. So if he gets the ball, and I mean, he's seven foot three, like, I mean, there's a reason why, like, when, when Porzingis was still here, a lot of people, you know, called him like a, like a knockoff Porzingis or whatever, because he had a lot of the similar skill sets, just not nearly as athletic or quick footed or any of that. Um, but, you know, he could shoot the three and he could block shots. But, like, if he wasn't making his threes, his utility was really, uh, not as high, and he always had a quick trigger because he didn't need a ton of space to get his shot off. Because like you know he's seven foot three, so you know pretty much anybody he can shoot over. So I don't know. I I, I found his year to just be very interesting, but he was definitely like probably one of the biggest like folk hero type players on the Knicks this year. Yeah, I was I was genuinely like usually when guys leave the Knicks, um, it really it really depends. Sometimes I I fall in love for life, and other times I just completely stop caring. 
Uh, Luke Cornett certainly falls into the former category for me. Like I, I was genuinely like ecstatic for the guy that ended up getting a two-year, $4.5 million deal with the Bulls because you, you can just imagine, I mean, from his perspective, like obviously, I mean, just, just to get to play in the NBA is an incredible thing. And like that, in a lot of ways, you're like, yep, that's it. I'm good for life. I got, I got to do it. I live the dream. But for, for a guy who was just sort of on the fringes of the league and very easily looked like he, he would – probably go on to a very lucrative career in Europe, which is far from the worst thing in the world. Um, he, he was he was able to uh, secure the bag and get, get two years, four and a half million dollars, and it's obviously life-changing money. And even more than that, just to, for once in his NBA career, to, to have the security, like, hey, I'm probably, I'm not going to get cut. Like, I'm, I'm part of a team. And I, I think, in my mind, he, he's really a perfect fit um, for Chicago. They, they needed more shooting. Off the bench, Lowry Markinen seems like someone who's incredibly talented but perennially injured. So Cornette's sort of Markinen insurance. And if he can continue to, to take steps forward and become more and more consistent as a three-point shooter, sort of like Bonley, he's a guy who has a chance to really carve out a long career for himself. Is The one aspect of his game I never really saw coming was the rim protection just because he's not all that athletic. But he is kind of in the Roy Hibbert mold of someone who really understands positioning, um, has solid verticality, and surprisingly good timing for um, a by NBA standard subpar athlete on a shot blocking. Yeah, I can remember a couple times last year where he got, you know, he'd get marooned on a switch, you know, with a point guard, shooting guard, you know, a wing, whatever, you know, someone clearly faster than him and stuff. And his recovery time was surprisingly good. Like, he would get beat off the dribble, but... You know, for a guy seemingly so big and slow-footed, he he pulled off a couple of like you know from behind blocks, like kind of like the Mitch Rob- the, you know the Mitchell Robinson like special of you know even if a guy got by him, they weren't safe because he could time it out and still block their layup attempt or their floater or whatever they were going for. Uh, Cornette had a few of those too, and it was kind of surprising to me because uh, you didn't really expect to see that from him. But like you said, he's also he understands positioning. You know, he understands what he can do and what he can't, I think, is the most important thing. Like, he's he knows, okay, I got to stay anchored to the middle as much as I can and try to, you know, affect shots from here rather than, you know, like, he, I thought he did a pretty decent job of, like, hedging at times and stuff like that to make sure that he could still, like, you know, float back into the pain if need be. And I just, I think he's a smart player. I don't know. I, I think he's, I think, you know, the theme of this show has kind of been guys that, guys that know their roles and played them for a bad team last year, but still played, you know, their roles well. And, uh, you know, I think Cornette's definitely a, a big, you know, part of that. Like he was, he just kind of realized like my role is to go out there and, you know, hit some three point shots, play some interior defense. And that's pretty much it. And that's just what he did. I mean, I, I wrote down, I was thinking about this, you know, and we were thinking about what to say, about Cornette for this season. And I kind of just feel like he's become like the ideal third or fourth big that you want on your team in today's NBA. Cause he's kind of like, he reminds me of like Steve Novak, but just like can block shots and actually like play defense a little bit, which makes him that much more useful. I mean, I don't, it, it still remains to be seen if he'll become nearly as efficient as a three point shooter as Novak was. Cause Novak was shooting like consistently over 40%. Um, so Luke will have to hit that level if he wants to like really reach the next level of like role playerdom. But for now, I mean, even if he just stays at the level he's at, he's, he's exactly the type of guy that you want for just a few spot minutes a game that 
gives the opportunity to potentially get hot from three, which is like infinitely useful uh, in the NBA. And, and, you know, he's not going to totally sink you on defense while he's out there for, you know, whatever is 15 to 20 minutes either. All right. So I, I guess final question on Luke Cordette as we, we wrap up this edition of Locked on Knicks. Um, I, I give you the over-under of five years for Luke Cornette in the NBA. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you say on that? Well, he's already at the oh, no, five, sorry, five more seasons. I should have five more seasons. Oh, I'll say over. I think he's going to have a long career. Yeah, I like. I mean, look at it this way: if if Brian Scalabrini was able to be a bench warmer for fifteen years in the NBA, there's absolutely no reason why Luke Cornett can't find a role in the NBA for ten seasons. All right. On that optimistic note, we will wrap up this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. If you if you missed the Alex solo sodes, as, as they'll be known, um, please check them out. He went, he went Lone Wolf four episodes last week, and they were all really great. And uh, highly encourage you to tune into our next show because we're going deep on Alonzo Trier. I can honestly say um, I did more prep and put more time into that one than – most of these player reviews combined because I, I love a lot of and I really I want to get deep but I want to I want to get a better feel for what he could be on this next team so with that we'll bid you adieu and talk to you soon <laughs>